What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Dave Meltzer, who is currently the CEO of Sports One Marketing, one of the world's leading sports and entertainment marketing agencies, which he co-founded with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Prior to S1M, he was CEO of the world's first smartphone, the PCE phone, and later became CEO of the world's most notable sports agency, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. I met Lee at the Super Bowl this year, as a side note. Um, Dave is an award-winning humanitarian and international keynote speaker, best-selling author, chairman of the Unstoppable Foundation, and is profiled by national publications such as Entrepreneur, Forbes, ESPN, Bloomberg, CNBC, Yahoo, SB Nation, and Variety. Dave, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So excited to do this. I want to start off with a bigger question, which is, as someone who has had so much success in sports, entrepreneurship, tech, all of these different areas, what is your why that motivates you to do what you do? I'm glad that you asked that because I think uh, too much impetus is put on the why, right? And I think my why is the same as everybody else's. And I think what people confuse with their why is understanding how clean uh, their connection to that which inspires them in. So my why is to help people. Right. My why is simply I choose whether it be the Junior Achievement University that I'm the chancellor of or whether it's Unstoppable Foundation, whether it's my wife, my children, my community, whether it's my mission to impact a billion people on earth to be happy. If you go around 100 percent of the people on earth, their why is to help somebody or something. And what we really need to know is what is our purpose? And now purpose is not what we do. Right. That's another confusion that people have is they think their purpose is what they do. So they'll confuse and tell me, oh, I just don't know my purpose. Uh, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, and they'll say, well, you know, I don't know what, what you know, should I be a lawyer, a doctor? Should I be a sports agent? I'm like, whoa, 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 that's nothing to do with your purpose. That's a job. That's an activity that you get paid for. Um, you know, I don't believe in work. So moreover, I think if people can get clear on what and how, uh, they'll really be able to find their purpose. They'll also be able to take advantage of the why, which is always for everyone to help somebody. And uh, in order to help other people, we have to receive. And so all of these different constructs that I have clarified in my mind, I try to articulate so that I can create a pragmatic way for people to understand how best to get what they want and their why. Mm. So purpose is the what and the how more than the why. I, I love that. Now, yeah. you mentioned your family. And when I was reading your bio, we talked a lot about the business success you've had. Tell me what it's like and how you've been able to balance business success with family success in a world where you're, you start the business, you get to six figures, I want to get to seven, you got all the books to read. 
but then you got a girlfriend or a spouse and managing the two. Yeah. So, you know, the way I've learned these lessons and I haven't always been successful uh, at having, you know, great personal relationships while I made millions of dollars. In fact, for the first three years, uh, I neglected uh, those, cog you know, I think consciously understanding four values is the most important thing. Number one, what are your personal values? What are your experiential values? What are your receiving values? And what are your giving values? Also note that most people spend 99% of their time on their financial values. Uh, and yet, if you ask them if you were gonna bankrupt any one of those values, 99% of those people would bankrupt their financial values before they would bankrupt their character, integrity, their experiences and knowledge that they've gained from it, or their legacy of what they've done for other people. It's really a, a counterintuitive thing to think how people have really misguided themselves by their values. I'm a personal uh, believer in that we change our values every day. We prioritize those values. They never should be balanced 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%. At the end of our journey, it would be nice if it equated up into those type of balance. But I think at a young age, we need to sacrifice uh, a lot of our uh, receiving values as far as monetarily goes. We have to actually, because of that, uh, the giving side of what we do is diminished because we can't give what we don't have. I think the experiential side and the personal values are key when we're young. Uh, and that's what I really focused in on. Uh, those personal values and experiential values allowed me to attract and start receiving, which then shifted my values. When I started receiving, I started to shift my values to receiving because I started being able to give for that. Uh, and all the lessons that I learned through, you know, those 26 years that I've been receiving at a high level. Uh, but most importantly, it occurred because of one reason. People ask me all the time, how the heck do you make a million dollars nine months out of law school? And I'll say, because I looked at my personal values and experiential values, and I used math to beat people. And when I say beat people to achieve a goal, I reverse engineered the law school that I went to because I wanted to be rich. I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. Right, that was my why to help my mom. Really simple, and my why consistently is to help somebody or something. But nine months there, I said, okay, I'm gonna go to Tulane Law School because it's the top of mar maritime law school. I'm gonna reverse engineer that because oil and gas litigators make the most money out of law school. And I literally went there. Then I made a decision to go into the internet because I had two job offers, one to be an oil and gas litigator for six figures, and then I got a job that was 250,000 at plan selling legal research online, even though my mom told me that the internet was a fad. Once again, proving don't put faith into anybody uh, else of what they want for you, even if they love you a lot, doesn't mean they give you good advice. Put faith in yourself. Your ideas and imagination will clothe itself if you put faith, the aggregate of what you think, say, do believe, all into what you believe, not what other people believe. Take their advice, listen to it, learn from it, but follow your faith in what you want, not what other people want. But in that nine months now, I get this legal job selling legal research online. What did I do? I was 250 at plan. I said to myself, most people are productive at best eight hours a day. I'm gonna be productive 16 hours a day, right? So. All of a sudden, I've now cut my time in half. Then I said, I'm gonna be twice as efficient. I'm gonna use all of those experiential values, personal values, so that I can now work a 32 productive, 
day, 32 hours of productivity. Then I said, how can I be twice as statistically successful? Well, I knew all the older salespeople that were already there, they had the relationships in the territories, they had the best territories, they knew how to sell much better than I did. So I said, you know what, they do on average 10 appointments a week and they're doing 250,000. I'm gonna do 40 appointments a week and I'm going to be worse of a sales rep, but I'm gonna beat them with math. So I also knew that most of them only worked four and a half to five days of productivity. I was gonna work seven days of productivity. So in the end, if you look at that, I was doing 64 hours of productivity a day. That's eight days of productivity of every day I worked. I worked seven days a week, sacrificing a lot of different things, right? Those girlfriends you were talking about, I was engaged at the time, I ended up breaking off my engagement. I mean, there's a lot of things. I'm talking real stuff you gotta sacrifice, but I was working 56 days a week. So in essence, when I was a millionaire nine months out of law school, I had worked what was equivalent to 10 years. Now, the funniest thing is I got every award, every accolade, you know, in, I was 25 years old and all the money, but I would laugh in the back of my head saying, you know, I really only make a hundred grand a year, <laughs> right? I just worked 10 years yeah. and people, like, you know, my closest friends, they would laugh at me like, come on, man. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Right. It's just like the kid went out of law school. It's like, I make 150,000. What do you make? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, you make 50 grand a year. You just work three jobs. Yeah. Right? Come on, let's get real with the math. I'm a math person. I'm a science person. I literally believe in the laws of technology, meaning the technology and math of the universe. I believe a coincidence is a mathematical occurrence. It's not a woo-woo spiritual thing that everything coincides. No, it's a mathematical occurrence. You know, when look it up, right? When two angles coincide, it creates something. So that's kind of the premise in which I use math and my values to manifest or shop for what I want. Hmm. I love that. Now, I, I was watching some of your content before this conversation, and it was a video of you talking about saying thank you. And it was about saying thank you for 30 days, 30 minutes, 30 seconds. And that resonated a lot with me because as I've found more success kind of implementing similar to what you're talking about, I continuously want more and I find myself unfulfilled sometimes at the higher levels because I'm lacking gratitude. I'm curious where this thank you process originated, how we can shake up some of our listeners today to get more into it. And if you could just talk more about that in general. Yeah. So gratitude is the oldest lesson. In fact, I laughed when someone on my uh, Instagram said I stole gratitude from someone. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? My grandma? Because she taught it to me and my mom. Uh, but gratitude is the most powerful thing in the world. It started for me with my mom, who was a huge thank you person, uh, made us say thank you before we went to bed for everything we did had, even though I grew up with six kids and a single mom, five boys and a girl, two job working mom as a second grade teacher and a person who filled up turnstiles at the 7-Eleven with greeting cards packing our lunch bag dinners, peanut butter and jelly, bologna, et cetera. I was thankful because every night she told and made us say thank you for what we did have, not what we didn't have. In other words, she was making us put faith in what we had, not what we didn't have. And then more importantly, even more remarkably, if we would come home, uh, wake up in the morning with a bad attitude, she'd actually make us go back to our room, think about what we're thankful for and come back downstairs in a different perspective, a different mindset. Uh, that programmed me, both my conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind to be completely grateful, which always made my past better, my present even better than that, and my future even brighter. And the funniest thing is, people ask me, you know, how the hell did you lose $100 million in your 30s? Because I lost my gratitude, right? I 
literally lost my gratitude, which then helped me lose my forgiveness, that then helped me lose my accountability, then it corroded and interfered with the connection that I have to the most powerful source of energy and light that exists. And all of those things systematically occurred by not being grateful. So I tell people all the time, the best habit you can have is to be thankful and say it before you go to bed and when you wake up. If you say it for 30 straight days, guaranteed your life's gonna change. Now, here's the hypocrisy of habits and how difficult our ego-based consciousness is, how fear drives us and how gets that interference in the way. Even when I was on stage telling people, you know, you gotta say thank you, say it 30 straight days before you go to bed and when you wake up, I myself took nine months to be able to do it for 30 straight days morning and night. I always miss one of them. I literally missed one of them. And I started realizing I got to teach people how to understand that life is about two simple things. One, you wake up in the pragmatic world of 24 hours and you have one action to take. So that better be the best action that you can take because everything else after that action is a reaction. And so I needed to teach people to have two mindsets. First mindset is the mindset of gratitude. So when you wake up, you better be grateful, find that centerpiece, joy, happiness, clear the connection, get rid of the interference and corrosion to that connection, find a higher frequency for yourself. And then life's simple. You know that as you react to what happens, whenever you're in ego-based consciousness, which is a need to be right, offended, separate, void, shortages, inter uh, a need to be inferior, superior, angry, anxious, guilty, uh, you know, all these different things, resentful, all of these different feelings don't move, but one action, re I'm sorry, one reaction is go back to center, right? How do you get back to center? Thank you is the vehicle that drives you back to the course in which you're in the direct trajectory to the truth. Gratitude is your vehicle to get back to center. People always tell me, oh, how do you meditate? Do this. Look, I am a quantum healer. I'm a theta meditator. These are advanced things that I studied in India. Not everybody can afford or have the time or even believe to do. But I tell you this, everybody can believe in gratitude and gratitude is the Ferrari of getting to center. Gratitude is the Ferrari of getting to center at Dave Meltzer. <laughs> also lose your gratitude, lose your money. I like that. And I want to yeah. get that. I'm living proof. <laughs> I say lose your gratitude, lose your mind, lose your mind, lose your money. That's yeah. I, I would say more. How about this one? We're, we're creating good memes here. Lose your attitude, lose your mindset, lose your mindset, lose your money. Lose That's your money. Exactly. So jump on the Ferrari to gratitude. Gratitude is the Ferrari to take you to center. Guys, this is Dave Meltzer dropping bombs on here. We're going to be turning these into memes. This is that good. Dave, talk to us about fear and how you've been able to overcome that. I feel an innate strength that has allowed you to plow through fear. And I wanna hear how you help other people plow through theirs. Yeah, so let's not plow through fear, let's not overcome fear. Let me explain and understand fear and create a higher energy in fear. So let's define fear. What most people worry about is plowing through, overcoming. They think fear motivates them, right? I work with a lot of professional athletes, Olympians, and they'll tell me all the time, fear motivates me, Dave. I said, no, it doesn't. Fear cannot motivate you because it is the corrosion. It is the interference to that which motivates and inspires you. It's a depreciator. Now, why you're being fooled by that, why you think fear motivates you, inspires you, is because it hyper-focuses you, right? <laughs> fear actually hyper-focuses you 
Uh, I got coffers in the back, man. I apologize. So no, no worries. Fear, fear actually motivates you. Fear actually motivates you, inspires. Uh, so what what I do now is fear focuses you. So what do I do? I create a substitute for fear because I want to substitute for focus. So what is it? The substitute for focus is really simple. It's actually being a student of your calendar and doing things now. What does that mean? What we pay attention to is what we start focusing in on. What we start focusing on gives us the power to shop. The power to shop determines how happy we are. And that is in two contexts, the currency of money, right? The energy, the object that we put into a flow. Amazon's my best example. You can have the green card, you can only buy so much. The platinum card, you can buy even more. The black card, there's more than enough of everything for everyone in Amazon. That's a currency. American Focus. Express. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're not a sponsor yet, but uh, maybe they'll start following me. Uh, anyway, but even more importantly, faith, right? I believe that I, at times, had a green card of faith. And I use fear as the green card of faith to focus in on what I wanted. And then that would shop for what I wanted. And if I shop for what good things there were, it make me happy. If I shop for bad things, it made me unhappy. Now, platinum card, I had just enough for me, right? Over $100 million. I was living the platinum card of faith. But yet fear was still motivating me to focus me. I was very focused by fear. Now, I live in a black card of faith. Right? I live in a universe of more than enough for everyone and everyone, and I'm back to black card status on Amazon as well. So I can buy, but I'm shopping for the right things. I'm shopping for books for the Junior Achievement University. I'm shopping for community centers for Unstoppable Foundation. Right? I'm shopping for the best things for my children and my wife, all these things that enhance their lives in a very fulfilling, purposeful way and profitable way. So what we need to do is understand fear just focuses us. And if we can use a substitute, a student of our calendar, so every day through a lens of productivity and accessibility, productivity meaning providing value to others, accessibility means to be accessible to others, to give to others as well as accessing what I want rapidly and accurately. So I look at my and study my calendar every day, what I do in person, on the phone, via email and social media with a lens of productivity and accessibility, giving value, taking value, accessing what I want. And now, you know, I'm far beyond that eight days of productivity in a day. I'm far beyond 56 days of productivity. I have rules, as you know, from this interview, I have a 520 rule. Bob Proctor taught me, if I'm on a phone call for business, my purpose is to be profitable, I'm just visiting after five minutes. If I'm on an interview and the purpose is to inspire, I'm just visiting after 20 minutes. We can get through all of this very quickly to impact life. Remember, all the lessons people learned here, they're gonna have to remember in some way or another, they're gonna have to watch this thing again and again. So we don't wanna go on more than 20 minutes. Three hours, it would be impossible, it would be a waste of our time. So I use all of these rules, and then the last rule was do it now as a substitute for fear to focus. Do it now is another definition of the word present. When people tell you be present, stay present, right? That's doing it now, meaning I ask myself, can I do it now, and if I can, I save twice as much time by doing something now, and I make myself exponentially more successful because if I don't do it now, we all know what happens, most likely we're gonna have to forget it, remind ourselves, redo it, blah, blah, blah. So I, if I can do something now, I do it. If not, it goes into a repository of all the do it now things that I couldn't do now. And then I prioritize that by what's most important according to the values of that day, personal, experiential, giving and receiving. 
And I always look for the, the fear factor of what's urgent and not important. Because if something's urgent and not important in my do it now folder, what I do is I delegate it. I give it to somebody else to do. And I focus it on knocking important things off every day, which makes me more productive, more accessible. It keeps me out of the realm of fear consciousness, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, and all these fearful things that just attract more of that. In other words, my focus and faith is in what I want to be productive and accessible, what I want. And it also assists me in figuring out how to get it rapidly and accurately. Last question I have for you is how do you manage all this while also protecting boundaries around your calendar and knowing when to say no and so when to say yes? First question is that, when to say no and yes. And then also, how do you exit yourself from non-productive or non-worthwhile calls if you're already on them? Yeah, so, you know, first question, you have, you, you literally, you're made by the people that you say no to, but you don't have to say no, you just say how. So I used to call this the paperclip theory, is that if somebody asked me something that I could not do uh, for various reasons, impacts, or capabilities that they may have, I asked them for something back. 99% of the people will never get me that back. So if somebody wants my help and I just can't help them on, the biz on, on their business, I'll ask them for a business plan, right? And 99% of the people will never send me a business plan. The ones that do, now I value more. It takes more importance, so I'll look through the business plan and work for that. I also delegate things, so I say, look, I can't help you, but this person can. Uh, but you're made by the people that you say no to. It's still just a matter of can I do it now? And if I can't, once again, figuring out the importance, but also delegating those things that are, that are not important and just urgent. Uh, but also, sometimes you through guilt, the ego-based consciousness of guilt, somebody asks you something, but you don't have the capability yet to help them, so you need a paperclip back from them, right? If I'm not certain if I can help you or not, I wanna see how much energy, alignment, potential, and willingness to do the work that you have. So if somebody asks me to do something for them, I'll say, I'll do that for you, but send me a paperclip. 99% of the people never send me the paperclip. Right, there has to be a give and receive. People sometimes just want you to entitle them, right? I need a sustainable model. I need to empower people that are gonna empower other people. And so I get that commitment of potential and willingness to do the work in order to effectuate that. Uh, now, the second question that you asked, you gotta remind me, I apologize. When you're already in the situation, yeah. how do you get out of it gracefully, handle the guilt that may come up inside of you for saying no, not taking on the emotions of the other person, walking away tactfully? Okay, so that's literally the drop, stop, stop, drop, and roll methodology. So anytime that we're in ego-based consciousness is when we're doing something that, as you say, is not on the trajectory towards our potential, toward our what and how. So when we realize it, right, what we have to do is stop. We go ahead and drop, get down into that center, take the Ferrari of gratitude, and actually use thankfulness, not sorry. You know, one of the great lessons that I've learned, and I apologize, I can't remember who taught it, but I loved it. She told me, don't ever say you're sorry, right? Say thank you for your patience. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't say you're sorry, it's a much better energy. So if you come in late to a meeting, don't say I'm sorry I'm late, say thank you for your patience, right? It has an entire different energy. So utilizing the Ferrari to get to center, then go ahead and let someone know and illuminate the fact that, hey, 
here's the quantitative reasons, impacts and capabilities that I have. And at this time, I can't help you, but I'm willing to find somebody that can. Can you send me a paperclip so I can help? You know, just get that recommitment, whatever it may be, so that you can do that. Uh, the cool thing is when you're asking people consistently, and it's the question that I encourage everyone to learn, do you know anybody that can help me? Right, there's not a, uh, not a giving problem in the world. There's a receiving problem in the world. People do not have radical humility. They're not asking for help. We're getting too separated, especially the younger people should be asking the older people to help them. And trust me, there's nothing that us old geezers want to do more than help young people. So we need to learn a question of everyone you meet in person, on the phone, via email and media, radio, print, TV, and social media. Do you know anyone that can help me? So if we can't help them, somebody else can. And here's the cool thing. On average today, most people have about a thousand people in their network. In the past, we had about five people. You know, you go to your foursome and say, hey, my buddy needs some help. Or you go to church or temple or to a men's group or a women's group or to the boys and girls club or at the sidelines of the soccer game. You had a very limited number of people that you could ask for help. On average, everybody has about a thousand people. So just Encourage yourself even once a day, even if you don't know the person, you will increase your network 30,000 people a month, 360,000 people a year, just by asking, do you know anybody that can help me? That's what I'm encouraging people to do. Ask, ask, ask for help. Don't worry about giving, it'll come naturally, especially if you're asking for help. The more people help you, the more you'll help others. The more that you have, the more you can give. You can't give what you don't have, including forgiveness, so forgive yourself, because life is just about lessons, and the lessons are gonna keep on coming until you learn them, and it's gonna reveal itself in pain if you haven't learned it yet. Keep on learning those lessons, and please ask for help. That's it. <laughs> Guys, ask for help, don't say sorry. Thank you for your patience. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show, dropping all of this amazing knowledge. Where can people find you? The listeners are going to want more from you. Where can they get that? Remember my name, David Meltzer, because I'm at David Meltzer on Instagram, David Meltzer on LinkedIn, David Meltzer on Facebook, David Meltzer on uh, Google. David is the word, not Dave. Unfortunately, Dave was taken by uh, a, good, a good friend of mine, a wrestling guy. I'm not the wrestling guy. I'm the inspirational, hopefully, friend of yours. So just David Meltzer, whatever platform you're on, please find me. I'd love to be of service. I'd love to help anyone that needs it. And uh, thank you so much for the time to help me impact others to be happy. Dave, thanks again for coming on the show. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brendan Burns Show.